right, here we go. What a busy news week this has been, and we've got a lot of ground here to cover. Justin Trudeau yesterday putting Canada's big grocery store chains on notice. You guys better lower your prices here. Or there is going to be trouble. Trudeau yesterday uh, saying that the CEOs of these big grocery store chains, they will be summoned to Ottawa and they're being ordered. You better do something about these runaway food prices or we're going to come and get and put the hammer down here. Maybe even with punitive taxes. Got Bill Thielman standing by to discuss. First, let's have a listen to Trudeau here. Here he is speaking yesterday. It's not okay. That our biggest grocery stores are making record profits while Canadians are struggling to put food on the table. And we expect to hear from them by Thanksgiving on what their plan is to stabilize prices. Okay, by Thanksgiving. That turkey better be cheaper by Thanksgiving or you're going to be some trouble here. Let's discuss now with my guest, Bill Thielman. Bill is a former Vancouver City Council candidate. He's a veteran, B.C. political strategist and campaigner. He has seen it all in this province. Bill, thanks a lot for coming on today. My pleasure, Mike. Okay, let's start with Trudeau and his threats here to the big grocery store chains here. What do you think of this move? Oh, well, I'll huff and I'll puff and I'll blow your house down. <laughs> I mean, I can just see Galen Weston and all the CEOs of big food companies shaking in their veritable boots today. I mean, really, you know, this is, I don't know, it, it, it smells of the desperation that we've seen in this recent, uh, like several recent polls, where the liberals are significantly behind the conservatives, up to 15 points behind the conservatives. So, you know, we, we saw wage and price controls. For those of your listeners who are old enough, I, I know you're not, but I was around in the 70s. And we had wage and price controls brought in by, guess who, Pierre Trudeau. And yeah. uh, didn't didn't really work. Uh, he poo-pooed it before in the election before when the Conservatives proposed it, and then he did it after he won the election. So, you know, we've, we've seen all these things before. I mean, it... It's kind of a, a bit of a proverbial deathbed repentance at this stage. I think um, I don't really think that the executives are going to say, "Yeah, absolutely." You know, what were we thinking? We were raising prices yeah. too much. We're sorry. You know, this is a business, Can and they he... have suppliers who are raising prices. They have trucking companies and gas prices. There's lots of additional costs involved when we have an inflationary right. spiral. Right? Can he order these companies to? To lower their prices? I mean, it's not like the, the grocery store business is a monopoly controlled by one single company. I mean, there is competition. Now, it is dominated by, th- by three domestic giant grocery store conglomerates, right? You got Loblaws, Metro, Sobeys, and they dominate this market. We, we know that. But can he order them to lower their prices or else I'm going to hammer you with, with taxes? Can he do that? Um, legislatively, technically, probably, Mike, but, mm. you know, practically speaking, I think this is a shame and blame type exercise here. He's, he's hoping that they will actually do something, and perhaps behind the scenes, Trudeau's staff have talked to them, and, you know, this is kind of like uh, uh, the phoniest of wrestling matches, and they're going to come up with something, but I doubt that that's the case. I, I, I'd be surprised if that were the case. I think this is really threats and cajoling for a while, and then if they wanted to, but, I mean, for example, they're, they're going after, I think, the top five, um, yeah. What about number six, seven, and eight? Uh, why would you exclude uh, other large grocery chains from that? Why would you exclude anybody if that's where you're going to go? And if you go legislatively, you imagine that'll get to court in a New York minute. Uh, if if only the largest companies are being hit with this, uh, I think that would be very challengeable does, in a whole bunch of ways. Does it also make sense that 
he's going to try and reduce prices at the grocery store by increasing taxes on them. Like if you you're saying to these grocery stores, you better you better lower your prices or we're going to put a tax on you. I mean, doesn't that just create another input cost for these grocery store chains? I mean, maybe the prices go up even higher. Yeah, it could it could well do. And you know, if if you want to have a windfall profit tax, then you could say let's put it on oil companies who are making lots of money right now. Let's put it on anybody who's making windfall profits. But once you start, you know, and I'm I'm a left winger, but once you start tinkering in the market like this, it's a world of pain. It's really hard to do that. Uh, there's no absolutely simple way that you can be guaranteed that what you, the action you take as a federal government will have the desired outcomes and that people will see it on the bottom line of their their grocery bills or their gas bills or anything else. So I, I don't know. I, I, I think this is one of those off the corner of the desk on an envelope handwritten at the Liberal Caucus retreat ideas. Okay. I don't see it working. Okay, we'll see what happens there. Let's talk yeah. about the other big uh, announcement Trudeau made here, all re- announcing that the GST would be removed from building new rental buildings. Here's the announcement. I'm pleased to announce that we are going to be removing the federal GST for the construction of new apartment buildings, and I'm encouraging all provinces to do the same. Okay, so when he says all provinces to do the same, I guess he's saying what provinces should remove the PST, provincial yeah, sales tax, yeah. and these new rentals. Yeah, your thoughts? Well, I haven't seen anybody jump to that idea yet uh, yeah. so far. Any of the pri- I mean, the premiers, including Premier Eby, hasn't yet said something to the best of my knowledge, and I'm I'm not sure that they will. I, you know, again, maybe this is a good idea, but, you know, if I'm a, a homeowner and I'm buying my first or second or third house, doesn't matter, apartment, and I see, well, okay, so if I were to rent, I would get a big discount, but because I'm actually putting my hard-earned dollars into this, I don't get the discount. You know, I, I think it just, again, it's one of these things where when you start thinking about it more, there's lots of holes and potential problems. The other thing is, why didn't you do it a lot sooner? Yeah. Well, he, he talked about this eight years ago. I mean, this is this is an idea that's been kicking around for a long yeah, time. Promised yeah. I mean, it years you know, ago. So, I mean, it, it potentially could be a good idea. I'll go that far. I think it could be a good idea if we saw it fleshed out properly and, and see what the parameters of it are. And then, you know, we had here in Vancouver, we had... Uh, uh, a tax that was applied or removed retroactively by city council. Are you going to retro? I mean, what if I just completed a rental apartment building and I paid ten million in in GST? Am I going to be able to get oh, it back? What's yeah. what's the statute of limitations on on yeah. getting it back? Too. So I don't know. You know, it's just, is this? Again, uh, it just seems it just seems desperate to me. I guess is what I say. Trudeau is looking very vulnerable here. I mean, you take a look at these opinion polls that federal conservatives and Paulie ever just surging here, and it just, like you said, seemed a little desperate. He's trying to find anything to sort of stop the bleeding here. And I had Polyev on the show yesterday. I asked him about this GST rental idea, and he, and he said Trudeau basically stole the idea from him. Yeah. You know, Polyev had <laughs> earlier promised this, and Trudeau's taken my ideas now. Yeah, yeah. Well, and we've seen that one as well. And I see he says, uh, build housing, not bureaucracies, which is a good line. But I mean, you know, taking the tax off doesn't build a bureaucracy necessarily. But uh, look, Mike, the uh, the last poll that's come out, I think, so far from September 9th to 12th, Abacus data, 41 conservatives, 26 liberal, 18 NDP. Um, that's, oh, yeah. that's majority territory for the conservatives, not just, a, not just the most seats, but a majority for the conservatives if that keeps up. Now, we have two years left in the confidence and supply agreement with the NDP and the Liberals. Um, that said, you've got to wonder whether Jagmeet Singh and the NDP are sitting there watching this slow-motion train wreck that's the Liberal Party right now and saying, uh, maybe we should get off the train at the next stop and cause an election before it's too late. 
Yeah. I don't rule. I listen. I don't rule it out. We've seen it before, and as you know, and all our listeners know in BC, John Horgan pulled the plug on the on the confidence and supply agreement with the Green Party, and uh, to Sonia Furstenau's enormous disgust, but he yeah. won a majority election after that in 2020. Okay, speaking of of BC, let's bring it home here, Bill. Let's finish up and talk about this uh, shakeup in BC provincial politics this week. So we had Bruce Banman the MLA in Abbotsford, BC Liberals, now the BC United Party. They changed their name. He has crossed the floor here. He joined the BC Conservative Party. Let's listen to what he had to say. I asked him on the show this week, are there any others that could follow you, bolt to the Conservative Party? Here's what he said. There are others, and I'll let them speak for themselves. I'm not the only one that has shown uh, increasing uh, discontent uh, within the party. Um, I'm not alone in that. Okay, so he joins John Rustad, another ex-liberal, ex-BC United leader of the BC Conservative Party. They've got two MLAs at the legislature now. Your thoughts? Well, that was, as we know, that's what gives them additional funding for research. They make more money as a house leader and leader. Uh, they get more prestige out of questions and question period. They're guaranteed questions. All of these things were done, ironically, by the NDP for the Green Party as part of their, their deal, so they could kind of pump, them, pump up their tires a little. Uh, I would... I would not at all be surprised, and I've listened to you and Keith discuss this this week, I wouldn't be surprised at all to see one or two more MLAs jump ship, depending on how Rustad handles himself and Banman handles himself in this next little while. Because, you know, you're watching uh, clearly... This is, you know, we haven't seen a product uh, rebranding launch fail as bad since New Coke. I mean, this, <laughs> this BC United Party launch is just brutal. And uh, we saw that the, they came in third or no, fourth, I think, in the uh, Esquimalt Wanda Fuca by-election. Oh. They're in third place in this Main Street poll behind the BC Conservatives. And the BC Conservatives have no significant structure or significant amounts of money. Or They've got a name, so, though. they got a name. But they have a great name, and we've seen this yeah. with the Green Party, both uh, provincially and federally, and in other provinces. They're kind of like a, you know, nobody, nobody really knows exactly what they're doing, but they've heard a Green Party, and they know it's environmental, and that's about it. Yeah. So, and we saw it with the Reform Party way back when. They, they didn't have huge amounts of money, and they wiped out the Conservatives, basically. So, you know, I think Kevin Falcon and his team have to be extremely nervous. I, I don't think they should throw the baby out with the bathwater yet, but, but uh, you know, and you can't go back to BC Liberal now. I mean, the flip side, everyone says, well, he should have stayed with the name, and I kind of think they should have, because they'd got over the worst of, of any voter uh, reticency, but the the numbers on Justin Trudeau, the disgust and hatred, which is kind of irrational to me, but um, I don't know that they would have been better off as BC Liberal anymore either. So, you know, well, now, uh, well, now anyway, it's working. Now it's working. Office, the, uh, I think. Well, now he's getting the ricochet on the other side because the, yeah. the federal conservatives are surging. Polyev is on a roll here now, and I think there may be some bleed over effect, and that's helping the BC conservative brand. Yeah, yeah, you've got you got the you got it going both ways. It's a double-edged yeah. sword. That nobody wants to be connected to the liberals, and everybody uh, on the right wants to be connected to conservatives more right now. Not everybody, but a lot. And then, but I think that the the left of cent- center center left federal NDP or liberal voters are now provincially saying, "Hey, I got to go with with David Eby. Uh, he seems reasonable and sensible." And Kevin Falcon yeah. doesn't seem to be doing it. So if you lose your you know half of your coalition or, or half of a half of your coalition, you're going to lose. All right, Bill Thielman is my guest. Let's go right to your phone calls here. Ed in South Surrey. Hi, Ed. Go ahead. Yeah, regarding the housing situation, to me, they've got to do two things. Number one, eliminate any foreign ownership in B.C., period, retroactively. If 
invest 5% of the market, we're over 200,000 homes coming to the market right away. And as far as a and B&B, basically do what they did in New York because this $1,000 charge is a joke, an absolute joke dealing with the rental situation. Okay, Ed, thank you for the call. Well, there's already a ban on, on foreign purchases in B.C., right, Bill? Yeah, and I mean, there's there's strong taxes, but but as an investor, Mike, you can you can uh, be a foreign investor in an apartment building. I mean, <laughs> that's not a problem. Mm. So so we've got some some real challenges there. I, look, I, I think whatever anybody says, everything that's been tried, and it mostly revolves around increased supply, increased supply, increased supply. It hasn't worked. We got the highest rents, the highest housing prices. Everything we've been doing isn't working. So it's time to really rethink this. And I, I encourage both the federal, provincial government, the opposition parties to all put their heads together with people who know what's going on and say, how can we fix this? Because this is a, you know, we're getting to an intolerable situation where the people who we need to run our economy, the workers who are frontline responders, who are grocery clerks, who are anything in this economy, can't afford to live in Vancouver, can't afford to live yeah. in, in Victoria, Kelowna, other places. And we have to fix it somehow, and whether we go the English route and have um, a lot of government involvement in housing, maybe that's what we have to start looking at. Karen in Surrey. Hi, Karen, go ahead. I think that he's coming out just uh, to go after the grocery stores because Jagmeet just posted that Sobeys made a 52% increase in profit. He's going after them because he doesn't want to piss Jagmeet off. And here's the thing. If you impose restrictions on grocers, where does it stop? What other mm. industries are we going to go after? Quite frankly, if he imposes taxes, guess who pays for it? You and I. And in the end, this is a free, this is a corporate, corporations are employing thousands and thousands and thousands of Canadians across country. And stop going after these corporations. Yeah, they're making profits, okay. but it's not a crime. Thank you, Karen, for the call. Bill, your thoughts? Well, I mean, like many people, I have RSPs and investments and things, so I guess in some ways I'm a beneficiary of the higher prices as well as being frustrated when I go and do my grocery shopping. So I think we're all caught in that double bind to some degree. But, look, I think Karen is, is right. It's very hard to intervene in a free market system, even though it might be an oligopoly, but it's still very hard to intervene and have the successful results that you want. Yeah. Brian in Coquitlam. Hi, Brian. Go ahead. Hey, Mike. I blame the federal government and provincial government for the high prices of food because of the carbon taxes, because that applies mm. to the farms and the, and the sh uh, shipping and the trucks, and the supply management for the dairy and the eggs and, and the milk. Uh, it's the government that caused the high prices. So I think it's hypocritical of him being, oh, we're going to call them and make them uh, charge less when it's the supply chain. The whole supply chain has been affected by the carbon taxes. Yeah, okay, Brian, thank you for that. Well, touching on one of Pierre Polyev's frequent talking points here, axe the tax, I think it could be working for him, Bill. Your thoughts? Yeah, absolutely. I think people just, yeah. you know, it's that visceral hit you get at the pumps, and, and you look at the price, and you look at the $100 plus amount that you're putting into your tank, and you're like, what in the world? I think the problem, though, you know, with Brian's point is, we have inflation all over the world, and we have higher carbon taxes in all sorts of countries, in Europe in particular, but, and we have places with no carbon tax, and they still have inflation. So I, I, okay. I, I don't disagree that it's a good political piece, and I have uh, grave doubts that the carbon tax has actually been working the way it's supposed to, but I okay. don't think that would solve it. Bill, thank you for coming on today. My pleasure.